This is the message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, December 5th, 2021. The lights of Christmas, the light of hope. Take me back to eight years old, a little church on a dead-end road, with a candle flicker in one hand and Dad's hand in the other. Take me back to silent night, my heart was full and the world was right, because right now the world looks nothing like those innocent Decembers. These days peace on earth is hard to find. And I need you to remind me one more time You're still the hope of Christmas You're still the light when the world looks dark You're still the hope of Christmas And you're still the hope of my heart Watch the snowflakes falling down Like a blanket on this town For a moment we can hardly see The pain this year has brought us May the sick find healings touch May hatred's light be one with love And may every heart make room for you The one who came to save us You're still the hope of Christmas You're still the light when the world looks dark you're still the hope of christmas and you're still the hope of my heart you're still the hope of christmas and you're still the hope of my heart Thank you, Earl. Thank you, Mitchell. Beautiful, beautiful song there. Thank you. Hope. The light of hope. Uh, that's, that's what we're going to talk about this morning as we begin a new series, our uh, Christmas series. That series is called The Lights of Christmas. Good morning, Connection Community Church. My name is Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones. And we are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We do want to welcome you in the name of the Lord. Those of you online, a lot of households online, and well, we are so glad that you are with us as well. Our mission is to connect people with Jesus and the new life he offers. And through this Christmas season, as we take a look at the lights of Christmas, we pray that you'll feel more and more connected to the one who came and saves us all. Let's pray together. Almighty God, thank you so much for today. It's a day that you knew that each one of us would be here today and um, online. We are one church, many locations. Thank you so much for the family of God, those who are here 
you know, most weeks, those who are coming back home for the day, Lord, we are just thankful. We're thankful for what you're doing in our lives. Most of all, we're thankful for the hope of Christmas today. We give this time to you, remove any distractions so that we can have laser focus on you. I pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Everybody agreed and said, amen. 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 The lights of Christmas. Um, any of you seen this ABC show, uh, show on ABC called The Great Christmas Light Fight? You ever seen that? Yeah. Yeah, I, I caught a little piece of it the other night, but I saw it. We've seen the whole show times in the past. You know, if you're not familiar, it's where they go to different houses where these people decorate these houses to the to the nth degree, and the lights, 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 lights. Oh my gosh! Whoo! Um, I mean, I love Christmas, and I love Christmas lights. I, I uh, that's just glorious. But I, I, even I get a little, over, a little overwhelmed watching that show because we're not talking hundreds or thousands. We're talking millions of lights. It's just whoa! I, I got. I call it the Christmas bee hall. B-Hall, B-H-A-L, the big honking array of lights. There you go, the Christmas B-Hall. Anyway, just for your information, you might be interested, the ones we're watching this year were actually recorded last year about this time. So if you have a B-Hall at your house, a big honking array of lights, you might want to contact ABC. They come out now, they'll film you so you can be on next year. Amen? Amen, there you go. There you go. So in the early years of the Jones life, and I'm talking, you know, really early when the girls were young, before Turner. When we had brown hair. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I still do, thank you very much. Well, yours much. is blonde. But, yeah. Um, after the Christmas <laughs> services, uh, we would drive around and look at lights. Devin, do you remember that? You were too young. Yeah. Anyway... <laughs> Life well, we did do it, really. We did do it. We <laughs> promised. We drove around as a family and looked at all the lights did else do that in the neighborhood yeah, okay. yeah, on Christmas yeah. Eve. We, we enjoyed that. And then we got into ministry, <laughs> and life looked a little Christmas bit Christmas Eve looked a whole different, lot different, didn't it? And you know, we weren't really able to do that anymore. Um, you're thinking, why not? Well, we're pretty exhausted by the end, and the lights are the last thing we want to see. But anyway... Here, I want to tell you about one particular December 24th. It fell on a Sunday. Which means we so, had morning service and night service, yeah. uh, Christmas Eve service And as by well. this time, Alan and I were both serving churches. He had his churches, and I had my church. And between the two of us, we had 12 services that day. So the kids, I don't know if you remember this, Devin, but you were at six of them. Because you were either with me or your dad. Well, actually, they did a little both. Uh, yeah, a little yeah. both that day. So I'm just <laughs> telling you, you know, our kids survived that. And they did six services, and they're still in church. So one hour a week, people. She's, she's it's smiling. okay. <laughs> it's okay, yeah. The lights of Christmas, it just gives us such a, a peaceful feeling when we see that. The beauty of the lights. And what the lights represent. Mm, yeah, I love Christmas lights. But on the other hand, have you ever been out there in the dark, maybe walking or in the car? Um, uh, maybe you're lost or maybe you're just in an unfamiliar place. You know what I'm talking about. When I was uh, um, 
an agent with Prudential, most of my appointments were in the evening because it was per with first lines, and back then most people worked like eight to four, eight to five, so that I could meet them in the evening. And usually the evening appointments, I'd have like three, five thirty-seven, and eight, eight thirty. And so, in the winter time, you know, it gets dark at four thirty. So I basically was in the dark. <laughs> Some people say you're still around, but I was basically in the dark for, for all my appointments. And, and down in Seaford, most of them weren't downtown where the lights are shining. They were out uh, more rural, you know? And so you're out in, in the back roads, in the back, and, and it was dark and very dark sometimes. And, and there's no GPS, you know, and you're trying to find this house out there in, in, in Never Neverland. And, and they give you directions. They give you the right, but that's not the problem. The problem is when you're supposed to turn at the house with the blue shutters and it's pitch black. Or at the corner where the barking dog is, but the barking dog moved to a different corner and it's still pitch black on, on top of that. So it made it very challenging. And, I, I remember one time I, was, I worked for Delaware Hospice and before ministry and I was out on call on Friday nights oh, yeah. <laughs> in the middle of... Sussex County, and I'm driving in Laurel somewhere, and I look out in the distance in the field, and there's all these lights. I mean, it was just lit up like a, and, and I thought, oh my goodness, there's a train <coughs> in the middle of a cornfield. This is like amazing. It was a chicken house, all lit up. But it was pretty cool to see those lights because I didn't feel so alone. Funny how that train never moved. Yeah, it did. It like never that. moved. Unbelievable. Anyway, so you're out there in the dark and you're kind of unsure of yourself, and you know, it's a little spooky. It's a little, it's a little, it's a little. But then in the distance, you'd see the faint glimmer of light. You know what I'm saying? There'd just be, you, you see it in a house, and that made all the difference in the world. And, and it might not even have been the house I was going to, but, but that little glimmer give you hope, knowing that you weren't there out there all alone in the darkness, that there, were, there was somebody out there and uh, the destination had a light on it. You know, it just makes all the difference when there's even just a glimmer of light in there, out there in the darkness. I think most of us have been there at one time or another where we feel alone in the dark. It might be literal darkness or it might be emotional darkness. It could be even spiritual darkness, and that's so difficult. It is so hard to be, to feel alone in the dark. During uh, the wintertime, people often have seasonal depression because there's so much darkness, and we need light. We're created. We need light, and it just doesn't, it doesn't take a whole lot, just a little bit of light, just a glimmer, just a flicker, just a spark, just a flame. Just a little bit of light, a little bit of light. Know that the darkness isn't all pervasive. Just a little bit of light to know that there's hope on the horizon, the light of hope. Mm. Darkness. I love the way Eugene Peterson describes the darkness when he talks about the beginning in his paraphrase of the Bible called The Message. This is Genesis, the very beginning of the scripture, Genesis 1, verses 1 and 2 from the message. First this, 
God created the heavens and the earth, all you see, all you don't see. Earth was a soup of nothingness, a bottomless emptiness, an inky blackness. God's spirit brooded like a bird above the watery abyss. I love the way he described it. It's challenging. It's, it's, it's almost a feeling of hopelessness, the darkness there, you know, but I, I think that's such a, a great explanation of that beginning or that, that nothingness, that inky blackness. And, and, and yeah, I feel just, if we stop there, wouldn't it just be a yuck feeling? Uh, an empty, horrible kind of feeling, maybe even hopeless. That's not where we're left. We move on to verses 3 through 5, and it changes everything. Check this out. God spoke, light, and light appeared. God saw the light was good and separated light from dark. God named the dark of the day, the light day, and he named the dark night. It was evening, it was morning. Say it with me. Day Day one. one. That's a heck of a day's work, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. So God created the heavens and the earth, and the next thing that God proclaimed was light. Light. And it was good. But he said it was good, and it has been good ever since. It gives us hope in the midst of what really can be a very dark world, a lot of darkness in this world, but we know that we know that we know that there is always a glimmer, a flicker, a spark, a light of hope. Hope. In the New International Version of Scripture, the word hope appears 180 times. That's pretty significant, 180 times. Um, Most often in in, in the Old Testament, the most often is in the Psalms, 34 times. But here's what's interesting. The next most often is in the book of Job. You know, Job, who went through some horrible challenges, but that word hope appears 18 times in that book. And then it's scattered through the other books, several places in the Proverbs and some of the other prophets. It's interesting, if you dig a little bit in the Hebrew language, there are several words that translate hope, and in the scriptures, it's primarily four of them. Uh, the one word, the one word is seabear. That's, that's a, just your most basic. If you look at variations on it, it basically means hope. And then there's the word tikwa, tikwa, and, and that involves the idea of expectation. You know how you're hoping with it, an expectation. And then there's the word yehaw, yehaw, which which includes waiting expectantly. Anybody here waited expectantly? That's tough, isn't it? Yeah, you know. And, and, then, and then finally, there's a word, kewa, and the kewa means, it can, kind of see how each of these is a little bit broader in, the, in, in, the, in what adds to it? Kewa uh, means to hope while waiting patiently, uh, with expectancy, uh, but also eagerly, eagerly waiting. You know, you're kind of on the edge of your seat. And that's a tough one when you're on the edge of your seat, and yet you're trying to be patient, and yet it's long coming. That's an that's a interesting challenge. And so each of these has a, has a slightly different level of expectancy, uh, of patience, of longing for that which is hoped for. But the thing is, no matter which word we use for hope, it seems to go hand in hand 
with waiting, doesn't it? Hope and waiting, waiting, <laughs> waiting, waiting seems to go with hope. Psalm 130 is a good example of what we're illustrating. Out of the depths I cry to you, Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. If you, Lord, kept a record of sins, Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, so that we can, with reverence, serve you. I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits. And in his word, I put my hope. Mm. There you go. In his word, I put my hope. I wait for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning, more than watchmen wait for the morning. Israel, put your, what, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. You see, the word hope is used twice there, and then the Hebrew word that you, that, that's translated hope is yehaw. That, that word yehaw, which includes that expectancy that waiting expectantly. And so watching and waiting and hoping go hand in hand. Um, it was true then, it's true now. Throughout the Old Testament, one thing they watched and waited for and hoped for was the Messiah. That word Messiah is a Hebrew word that needs, means the anointed one, anointed. In, in the literal sense, they would anoint, ceremonially anoint with oil conferring divine or holy office or power on someone. When, when David was just a shepherd boy, remember Samuel brought him in and he anointed him with oil, in, uh, not because it was immediately going to happen, but in the future he was going to be the future king of Israel and that anointing represented that future power, that divine power that was being conferred on him. We talk about Jesus as the anointed one. There's no official oil, but it's, it's, it's figuratively uh, speaking. He's anointed by the Father through the power of the Holy Spirit, anointed to, re to deliver, to redeem, to bring salvation to this hurting world. We're reminded of this in Luke chapter 4. When Jesus went back home to Nazareth, he, he's an adult, he's you know, they're on the, on the circuit. <laughs> and he went back home to, his, to, to Nazareth, and it was on the Sabbath. And he went into the synagogue, and I love this where Scripture says, as was his custom. In other words, this wasn't a one-off. He went to Sabbath uh, <laughs> religiously, <laughs> on, on, you know, because that's where he was supposed to be. That was his father's house. And he stood to read he, he was the reader that day. He stood to read from the prophet. In our Bible, it would be chapter 61. And, and here's, here's what chapter 61 says. In Isaiah, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he, Jesus rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. 
You know, I love the prophecies from the Old Testament, especially the ones that look forward to the, to the Messiah, because they usually have double meaning, an immediate and a future. When, 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 when uh, Isaiah writes, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news, God has anointed Isaiah to proclaim good news. You know, he's, he's, he's been anointed to do that as, as God's mouthpiece, immediate, but then Looking 700 years to the future, we have the anointed one, Jesus, uh, you know, and, and Jesus is the very embodiment of that prophetic word. It's incredible how that works. The anointed one, fulfilling what Isaiah had said right there in the midst of the people, what they had been hoping for right there in the flesh. Wow. In the flesh. So, Yeah. I love your response. I'd like, oh, really? It's amazing, isn't it? <laughs> it's just. So God spoke through the prophet Isaiah again, 700 years in advance. So let me read to you what Isaiah 7 uh, verse 14 says. Therefore, the Lord himself, this is Isaiah 700 years before Jesus. The Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and we'll call him Emmanuel. I'm telling you, those who don't believe that there's anything to this book, how can it happen? 700 years before and then it happens? Oh my goodness, Emmanuel. God with us. We sang about that at the beginning of the serve, service. That's what it means. Emmanuel means God with us. God, right in the flesh, the person of Jesus Christ. And then two chapters later, Isaiah 9, um, God shares with the people through the prophet more of what is to come. And usually we start this, especially at Christmas time, at about verse 6, and you'll see what I mean in just a second. Uh, uh, you know, it's part of a, a Handel's Messiah <laughs> and all that. But we're going to take it back to, cha uh, to, to verse 2, because he's talking about walking in darkness. And and the light. And that's what we're talking about a little bit this morning. And then, so Isaiah 9, 2 through 7. And this is the New Living Translation. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. You will enlarge the nation of Israel, and its people will rejoice. They will rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest and like warriors dividing the plunder. For you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian, the boots of the warrior and the uniforms bloodstained by war, and they will all, all will be burned. They will be fuel for the fire. Now we get to the part you're probably familiar with, especially at Christmas time. For a child is born to us. A son is given to us. And the government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called. We, we, we sang this earlier, didn't we? And say it with me. Uh, uh, he will be called Wonderful, Wonderful Counselor, Counselor, Mighty, Mighty God, God, Everlasting Father, Father Prince of Peace. His government, its peace will never, notice that, never end. He will rule with fairness 
and justice from the throne of his ancestors, David. Don't you just love those words? Rule, rule with fairness and justice. And how long will that be? For all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. 700 years. Say 700 years. <laughs> yeah, oh my goodness. That's the time frame from Isaiah to Jesus. 700 years. That's how long the people waited. 700 years. That's how long the people hoped for the Messiah, the anointed one. 700 years. That's how long they walked in darkness. That's how long they hoped. And they hoped. And they hoped. They hoped for this great light, the light of hope. And that flicker, that glimmer, that speck, that, that flame that we talked about earlier, that light in the darkness, no matter how distant, no matter how faint, that's the light that pierces the darkness and gives us hope. You see that light over there by the candle? That represents what we're talking about, the light of Christ. When I, if this whole place was dark, and we could see that, it would just be so good because we see that flicker of hope. The light of hope, it's here. Hmm. He's here. And, and this hope we have in Christ is different from the everyday kind of hope that we have, especially the everyday kind of hope we have at Christmas. You know, like Christian, we often hope for this, or remember you were a kid, or like what he told me when I was a kid of eight, this is what I hope for, this is what I wanted. You know, in a post entitled uh, Cultural Hope Versus Christian Hope, Which One is Guaranteed Hope? Author June Hunt shares this. She, she, says, she writes, hope is associated with an anticipation of something or an aspiration towards something, but a distinction needs to be made. Cultural hope is merely an optimistic desire that something will be fulfilled. This hope is not guaranteed hope because it is subject to changeable people and changeable circumstances. Christian hope, on the other hand, is an optimistic assurance that something will be fulfilled. This hope is a guaranteed hope because it is anchored in Jesus Christ, the unchanging Son of God, and every unchanging promise found in his word. Cultural hope leaves us adrift in the seas of life, tossed about by waves of circumstance. Christian hope serves as an anchor for our souls, holding us steady in uncertain times. This was like a light bulb when we discovered this kind of words around cultural hope and Christian hope. Let me share a little story that kind of brings us to, to, to life. I hope it's... story starts way back in like 1987. My mother had a, had a stroke that was, was pretty serious. Um, when, when we um, went and visited her at Christiana Hospital, the day room at the end of the hall there, this, this once uh, strong, articulate, commanding woman, <laughs> my father used to call her the little general, uh, this woman, uh, the little general, was sitting in a wheelchair and babbling, unable to speak. It's tough to see. 
because that wasn't who I knew. Very tough to see. And with time, she got better. She, she wasn't able to walk then, but she, got, she fully regained uh, strength to walk and uh, full able to speak, but was never quite the same, never had quite the spunk. And she, um, you know, something was lost in that whole thing. But uh, during that time, my, my father was a, uh, it was a little challenge because they told us she might not survive. She might die in that. And my father, I think, was just picturing himself rattling around in this four-bedroom, two-story house up in Newark by himself. And, or if not, having to care for herself. And it was going to be more than an ocean to care for her. She needed so, a lot of care. Yeah, she needed a lot of care. So we were building a new house at the time, a custom-built house. And I said, Dad, would you like to put a wing on the house and live with us? And I, I fully... It was, you know, an offer that was sincere. I didn't think he would take because my father from the age of 16 had been on his own and uh, was fiercely independent. <laughs> but he jumped on it with both feet. <laughs> yeah, so they, or he sold their house in Newark. And, and it was all set. We, we put that wing on the house, 900 square foot, and they were all set to move down. Uh, July 1, we were going to move from one side of Seaford to the other, and they're going to move down from Newark all on the same day, July 1. One month before June the 1st, my father died of a heart attack. Wow. Isn't God good? Because God had my mom taken care of. It was all set. My sisters were neither one at that time in a position that it would have worked out for them. So it was all set. You know, God's so far ahead of us. And it was all set up. That being said, it wasn't easy. We were young. We were in our early we were 30s. In our early I, 30s. Devin, you were only two. I at wasn't the time. quite 34 years old. We had four kids. And she's going to need a fair four. amount of care. Yeah, we could have seen that as a kind of a dark day. But see, there was light in that day because we knew Jesus. We didn't expect Jesus to wave a magic wand and make mom, you know, who she once was. It wasn't that kind of hope. But it's the hope that Christ would give us the strength that he would see us through, that he would give us what we needed to take care of what we were given. Yes, that's the hope of Christ. That's the hope of Christmas. Not, not magic wands, but giving us what we need. When, when we look into the darkness and we see that glimmer, we see that flicker, what that says is, no matter what, I'm going to be with you. And I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to save you no matter what. So what are you hoping for this Christmas? you have a cultural hope? Or a Christian hope. Cultural hope's not going to take you anywhere. It's going to lead to disappointment after disappointment after disappointment because the world, it always falls short. But with Christian hope, no matter what we're faced with, there's promises that we can stand on and that we can absolutely hold on to. The promises of, of Jesus the light of the world who came to pierce the darkness and carry us through when it's really 
hard to see when, when it kind of comes upon us, that darkness. But there's always a flicker. There's always a spark. There's always a flame. Because Jesus came. And that's who we put our hope in. Our hope is that you know him. Our hope is that Jesus is your Savior. The world can't do it. Only Jesus. Our hope is that there would be a moment of humility where we would say, God, I'm kind of messed up and I fall short. But with you, you put the pieces together and I submit to your will and your way in my life. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your love. It's that light of hope that came that carries us today and forevermore. I am so thankful for the promises found in Scripture, for the Word. By the way, where are you in your reading this week? It should be Luke chapter 5, I think, in our reading. Such good news of the gospel. Let's live it and let's believe it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at justshowup.church. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church connecting people with Jesus and the life he offers.